Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. I'm your host, Yuakime Axon. We're coming at you live from Table 33 in the Woodland Park, recorded outside. Woodland Park, famous from such things as the Woodland Park Zoo and the homelessness crisis. Today's guest, Ivan. How are you, Ivan? I'm doing well. How are you? Ivan, first of all, I want to thank you for coming back on the pod, even though I gave you harsh treatment last time. Yeah. Yes. It's the type of uh, radical honesty that's uh, somewhat akin to state-controlled media. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I deserve that. And Ivan, this time we're just gonna, we're just gonna, we're just gonna be nice to Ivan, okay? Okay. Yeah. Whatever Ivan wants is the theme of this episode. Wonderful. So today we're doing. It's our second episode of doing plain sparkling water. Ivan, which one would you like to start with? Um, let's start with one I can pronounce easily. Uh, mm. Let's do uh, the Mountain Valley sparkling water. Mm. American. Is it? I mean, it oh, says yeah, USA. Bottled in the, how do you pronounce that? <laughs> because you just talked about how uh, it's... Wachita? Wachita. Yeah. No, it has to be Wachita. Has to. Wachita. Man, that's... When, there's, my... when there's a lot of vowels back to back like that, though, you, you never know what you're going to get. You, you're going full Mexican. Um... This reminds me of our last episode where we drank something that said artisan water on it. <laughs> and oh, and, and what, what was it? it? It had like an accent mark over the E or something like that? <laughs> no, but we were like, oh, that's the artisanal way of spelling the word artisanal. Right, artisan. But lots of people emailed me, fact-checking department. That just means it's a certain level of aquaphor. A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N is a certain type of water. <laughs> okay, so yet another subcategory. <laughs> yes, yes, because you run into quite a few of them that say that. Right. But it was like the Voss. Okay, well, strong start to this episode. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we got all that out of the <laughs> no, way. No, no, you got you to gotta throw out a little bit of fact-checking. Right. You got you to gotta issue a couple of corrections. You want to start with the fine print and then go into the meaty <laughs> content. <laughs> Yeah, you got to issue the correction up front. Otherwise, you're being, what is this, CNN? Yeah. We're already pre-apologizing for the factual <laughs> errors that we're about to make. Yeah. You know, what a peaceful day it is out here, Ivan. It's a beautiful day. It's just like a little bit sun-dappled. Like, technically the last day of spring, right? What? It's midsummer. The day before midsummer is the last day of spring. That doesn't sound right. Midsummer is the middle of summer. We're deep in summer, my friend. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you want to get technical about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spring ended a month and a half ago. Yeah. yeah. wonder how many emails we're here about to get in response <laughs> to that. <laughs> we're going to have to issue a correction. But a uh, little bit of rustling of leaves, you hear that? I think that's the buildup to our first water. Yeah. Okay. Mountain Valley. Mountain Valley from Wachita. Authentic fine. And a little, a little pre-shaken. <laughs> Pure, authentic, fine. Oh, that's spicy. Oh. That's your reaction? Spicy? I, yeah, I chugged. I chugged a bunch. and. Oh, see? We, we now have varying experiences here because of the, uh, yep. the vehicle that we use. To... You got to chug it out of the bottle. It's so spicy. Mm. It's delicious. All right, let's give it a go. Yeah, you lose a lot of carbonation with that little Dixie cup. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> isn't that's that spicier? Piercing, yeah, piercing is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's sharp, very sharp bubbles, uh, salt flavor. Any? I mean, undiscernible. Yeah, no, that's a sparkling water, all right. This has calcium, magnesium, potassium. 
It's a green bottle. It's American. I'm going to give this one an eight. I'm going to wait until I have something yeah, actually, to compare it to. Yeah. Actually, maybe a seven. Because... I think the last time I came on the show when we were ranking the sodas, which you edited out, by the way. Uh, what? You, when we were ranking the sodas the last time I came on, I think you edited the, the ratings. And I remember the first one giving it like a very generous like 7 or 6.5 yeah. and then trying one of the subsequent ones and having to retroactively downgrade the Maybe first one to a 5. <laughs> Maybe that's why it didn't make it into the final cut, Ivan. Not, not because it was just neutral conversation that didn't uh, help uh, paint the narrative you were trying to make about me. Oh, I mean, hey, hey, you might be right, Ivan. You might be right. Might. Okay, Evan, let's try the next one. I want to do the Whole Foods Market, Italian sparkling. Yes. Yeah. Mineral water, natural carbon dioxide. That's it. Sourced from the heart of the Tuscan Emilian Apennine Mountains. Italy? Yeah. yeah, product of Italy. Okay. Let's listen to the crack. Oh, I'm way ahead of you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to join you in solidarity and drink straight yeah. from the bottle this time. This one is kind of shaped like a 40. It is. It's a very hefty bottle. And, yeah, it's got that rounded kind of 40. Mm-hmm. But it's only 33 ounces. But it looks like a 40, and I've been drinking straight from it. It's, um, yeah, it's that childhood I never had in America, you know? I've never had a 40, have I told you that? Never? Ne yeah, never. What, what, what's your, f where does your familiarity with them come from? Just from, like, movies and TV? Movies and TV? No, I'm, uh, I, know, I know about 40s through rap music. Smell it? Smells like nothing. Yeah, undiscernible. Okay, let's try it. Let's try it. Ah, that one is a lot less of a gut punch. Less spicy? Less spicy. I wish... <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going to compare mineral contents for a sec. Oh, good idea. I can't believe we didn't think to. Oh, man. This is... This is not fascinating. One of my biggest beefs with America is that... The government doesn't decide what you should put on the label so you can make it com uh, comparable. So this is this is your biggest beef with America. It's what? Oh, dude, labels? In Sweden, you, you just have to glaze over it because every single label is like kroner per and then something decided. Kilo. Liter. So... It's interesting that you bring up Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> because one, one of uh, the things that, that was uh, very uh, prevalent in the zeitgeist that probably like a month and a half, two months ago is this whole idea of like, why can't we be more like Sweden? Right. In a very, in a very specific sense uh, with response to COVID. Right. And okay. I remember walking down uh, the street in Fremont and seeing a storefront. I think it might have been for a tobacco shop or something. Yeah. They had a sign out front that said, more like Sweden, please. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. But, but what, um, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts about that? This idea of like Americans for the first time ever latching on to this idea of like, ooh, why don't we do what the Swedes are doing? I would say that I have a completely opposite reading where... The entire left half of the American pie has always wanted America to be more like Sweden. And then COVID for the first time uh, represents a switch where for the first time now the American right, right is looking at Sweden saying they're not doing any fucking bogus ass But But, uh, but no, nobody wants the full package. They only want to like cherry pick certain parts of yes. Swedish life and replicate them. Yes. 
Have you been to any restaurants since it reopened? Like Sit, have you dine-in? sat down? No. Really? I mean, it's only been like a couple days, like a week since 12 phase, days. 12 days since phase 1.5, one day since phase two. Yeah. No, I haven't <laughs> dined anywhere. Me too. Haven't. Not because I don't want to, but, but because I haven't had time. Now, as a server yeah. of a restaurant that is now available for dine-in, yeah. what is your um, perception of the uh, customers that have been coming in? Having a three-month lockdown where no one goes to a restaurant, I mean, it's a full reset. So when people come and they show up and they sit down, if they start out being an asshole there, then that means that they just really are assholes. Hmm. And if they, because no one is like rolling on some experience they had last week in a restaurant that's making them this, making them feel this. No one is, no one is riding any wave of anything. It's just who you are. You've been at your house for three months and now you're in a restaurant. And so when people... Do, do, do you mean to say that like they're not there for any special occasion other than to exercise the freedom of going to no, eat no, somewhere? No, no, I mean that some people are really nice and some people are so shitty right away. What, what have been some of the behaviors you've observed? It's like, I remember on the absolute first day <laughs> we open and there's like, we have only known for like... 22 hours that we were allowed to open. Right. And in those 22 hours... This is hours, phase 1.5? Yeah. yeah. And in those 22 hours, we have transported 9,000 liquor bottles or something in pickup trucks back to the restaurant because we kept them off-site because the protesters oh, were going right. to take them. Yeah. So we've transported all the liquor back. We've, like, just brought in all the tables again. It's just like we've taken all the fucking plywood down. All this shit, it's, like, so much that we built a restaurant from the ground up in 22 hours. And then this guy shows up and the beer has been hooked up for like 30 minutes. And that shit is like beer lines and beer pressure and carbonation with beer. All that stuff is really complicated. And it takes a lot of jimmying. If something isn't calibrated just right, it comes out too foamy. And then I, all the beers are way too foamy and haven't been calibrated properly yet. So I'm pouring a beer and it's like 80% foam. And then I pour out the foam and I pour and I get 10% more each time. So I basically have to pour 10 beers to get to a beer with like a inch foam on top. And then I give him this beer and it's like, I give him this beer and it's like the culmination of so much work. <laughs> it's a culmination of not sleeping for 22 hours and just like building this whole thing from scratch for him. Right. And then there's an inch of foam and he looks up at me and he goes, could I have a full beer, please? Oh, no. <laughs> and I was just like, and I was just like, you can have that one for free and you're not getting another beer. Well, is what I told him because. Well, depending on what beer you're pouring, an inch of foam is yeah, actually. It's not even. It's fine. It's just him being like. An it's, it's, it's not even fine. It's actually part of the presentation. Yeah. Maybe it should be three quarters of an inch. Ideally. Sure. Maybe it was like. A quarter. Of is this an inch like too a uh, just a pint glass or a stein or what? I believe this was the a pint glass of the Sea Pine West Coast IPA. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ain't nothing wrong with having a having a bit of bit of head on a on a Sea Pine West Coast IPA. Yeah. So that guy, I'm saying, he just had no patience for the fact that like the, anything of it. Well, and. And, and I'm trying to put my myself in this guy's shoes. So he has presumably not had a beer in oh, a no. bar for three months. No. 
and he comes back and he wants the first one to be perfect and anything less is unacceptable. And it's also like you look at this beer and this beer is a fine beer. Yeah. Like he's looking for a problem. Well, not to mention like you're you're drinking an IPA, which already has like such a high alcohol content that like if you're missing a couple, you know, uh, centimeters or depending on what what measurement system you're using, what the grocery store. Too much. Six millimeters too much of foam. Yeah. And it's like you're, you're not going to be noticeably less buzzed. No. And then you have a lot of people that were just very patient with the whole thing. Same people that showed up during the the shutdown and we just like tip really nicely and just recognize that I don't know they almost have more sympathy in their heart for myself than I do because I kind of look at it like well I guess we shouldn't have picked this like completely random not serious industry of working in a restaurant like like that's how I look at it but people with real jobs like these software developers come out and they're like super sympathetic to these people that have been laid off and they tip like 20 bucks on a $30 check and then those same people show up when the restaurant opens and they just kind of sit there and they're just happy waiting 40 minutes for their food to show up because everything is a shit show and so so these people with with quote-unquote real jobs Mm -hmm. you you said they're very patient very generous a lot of them Yes. this guy who didn't like his beer what does he do for a living yeah so he works in like industrial refrigeration <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> no but he he like he doesn't live in seattle uh-huh he lives like up muckle you know? yeah no he can't afford muckle yeah yeah now he lives somewhere north you know in those those villages in the mountains yeah and, and he's hanging out in university village yeah, and then on, yeah. something forces him to go to into seattle and he's all like unhappy about it Oh, so he's in a bad mood because he's in the city. Yeah. He's having to rub shoulders with the gays. And he doesn't like it. On their In their month, no less. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe they get a whole month, he says. But, um, yeah, the reopening has been very interesting and very crazy. It's um, The entire business model of restaurants now is definitely like in question. But in the short term, it's about surviving. Because not a lot of restaurants are going to survive, and the ones that do might get a nice big slice of the, the pie. But in the longer term, it's just interesting how whatever prices we were paying for restaurant meals before might not be feasible until like everything is totally back to normal, which might take a really long time. So there was a book that came out within the past year that um, the whole conceit of this book is that we've been in this uh, you know, restaurant boom over the past like 10 years or so. Without knowing it actually like knowingly because Mm. there's this idea now that like you can get you know good korean food in places like oklahoma which like didn't used Mm. to be a thing because the idea of just like trendy cuisines of all varieties just being readily available all over the place is a thing that it's like very specific to like the past decade or two Mm. um and now uh the, the 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 whole kind of thesis of the book is like all of that is going to come crashing down and this book came out bef- well before huh. covid so i wonder how like this will compound with that reckoning because what was the thesis there why would it come crashing down without a global global pandemic i uh, just thought it was a bubble that like i mean and, and it was already starting right. to happen where like you know these uh, you know very trendy like not like high end but definitely like more um you know chic restaurants they they were already not making it work and having yeah. to close and and the idea was that 
yeah, it, it it's not as attractive of a business venture as it used to be. Right. No, I I believe that, and I believe that a big the the whole thing was like running on people's passion. People people are get really passionate about food, and people really get passionate about wanting to run a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So you run it at a loss for like several years. Right. And so the idea was that all of this was set to come crashing down pre-COVID. And now yeah. I imagine the pandemic is just going to accelerate that significantly. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, like how many things that we that were going to be macro trends over the next 20, 30 years that just like happened in two months <laughs> because of a global <laughs> pandemic. Right. Like automization, you know, cocooning, you know, work from home. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All, work from home. Big all time. this stuff is like in the age of the virus, you want uh, maybe you want a robot flipping those burgers, you know? Yeah, maybe I I don't know that you do. So I, uh, in downtown San Francisco, which I've traveled to work a couple times these past year, a few years, mm. there's a. Uh, like a robot barista stand mm. and and it's more of a gimmick than anything it's just right. like look at the future and you know you know put, swipe your card and you know a cup of coffee will get made for you by this claw in the next 30 seconds <laughs> and it just looked so stupid like right. there was something like just very off-putting about it like mm. the idea that like oh there's just no soul to this product that is already being made for you at a pretty high markup to begin with because, like, you know, you're paying $5 for a latte for, you know, what is probably about 80 cents worth of ingredients. And right. and there's just something that seems more... So, hold up. The pricing was the same, basically. I, I didn't even buy it myself. I just saw oh. I just saw the people waiting in line for it. And there weren't that many. But I remember walking by, you know, taking a photo and just thinking, yeah, this is silly. Like, there, mm. there, there's nothing appealing about this. Yeah. Yeah, I... Um... When I was living in Beijing, I was... Oh, you lived in China? Yeah. Uh, I was living across the street from this noodle place who had this robot that... It was actually a pretty ubiquitous robot where I think they just sort of made one model that worked pretty good. And they made like a fucking hundred thousand of it. And it ended up in a lot of noodle shacks. And it had a couple of functions where it could do a, a qianmian, which is like a cut noodle. Basically, you just put a... What, what is it doing exactly? Is it like extruding the noodles? Or? It's got a couple of functions. But cutting it is basically you take a, a very... Like a cinder block sized and shaped block of noodle. Right. And then you have a sort of hook shaped knife that just sort of grazes the top. Sure. And cuts these like strings. Yeah. That get thrown into this boiling vat of water in front of it. Okay. And then it also has a, a like a colander, like a net... On a stick. Yeah. Oh, like a strainer. A strainer. Yeah. So it's it has a strainer on a... So it's got a couple of functions. It, it picks up the noodles. I guess there's a timer. It cuts the noodles. And it's made up to look like sort of like Ultraman. You okay. know, the comic Ultraman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like red. It's got big yellow blinky eyes. I know what Ultraman looks like. And um, the thing there was that... People didn't actually think that it was that much. Like, there's something about Chinese people that they all kind of were born in this. Like, if you were born in, like, the 60s or 70s, it was, like, a totally undeveloped place. And so much modernization happened that you're not going to be 
that blown away by just that there's a robot cutting these noodles. So it wasn't a gimmicky thing at all. And the noodle was still like 80 cents. Like they didn't mark it up. No one was taking pictures. It was just like one more thing. So what, what was the experience of getting these noodles prior to the robot? Was it just... An it was assemb- just some lady doing the exact same thing. But, but one lady doing all of those different functions. It was like instead of three ladies, they got rid of one lady. And now there's two ladies in there under the robot. I see. Because someone has to put the block of uh, noodle dough mm. in the bosom of so, the robot. So there's a supply chain issue. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it felt like I, was ta- I took lots of pictures of it and like made videos and put it on my Instagram and stuff. And I really felt like if that had been in the West, people would have made a big deal out of it. Because it's like my noodle was made by a robot. And it could have been a gimmick and people could have put it on social media, especially since this was, you know, six years ago. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it's surprising that that stuff hasn't showed up here sooner. Cause like, you know, there are countries where, you know, pizza from vending machines has just been the norm for decades now. And we don't really have anything like that here. Malaysia, for example. Oh, it's yes. A made up tiny country. No, it's not made up, I guess. Yeah, never yeah. mind. But yeah, I mean, just the idea of like, you know, getting hot food in an automated way yeah. is just more common elsewhere, whereas it just never really, it either wasn't introduced here uh, at scale or it just didn't catch on. Wow, there's a German shepherd over there uh, chasing a squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> nature is healing. <laughs> <laughs> the sun is coming back out. It's actually a little bit warm. Well, I, I, I know the remedy for that. You're saying I should take my sweater off? No, I'm saying we should drink some sparkling water. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bottle number three. What is it? Uh, I'm going to let you pronounce this one as the yeah. Northern European here. In German, I would call this Gerolsteiner. What would you call it in Sweden? I don't know. Maybe like the if, same if, thing. If you saw this in a grocery store in Sweden, what would you refer to oh, it yeah. as? So then it would be the fancy people that would vote for the moderate party. They would drink this shit and they always make up cutesy names for everything. Right. With their fucking boat shoes. Okay. Like some human boat shoe would walk so up to what, me and be like. So what's the fancy name for yeah, this? Yeah, Ivan, I'm getting there. Some human boat shoe would walk up to me with this bot- bottle and say, oh, you want a Yeri? A Yeri? A Yeri. How do they? Because we don't have a hard G sound. So, ah. so it would be like. Yerolsteiner? I mean, if you said if you were to say the entirety of the name, yeah. But so it would just be a, just a shortened nickname. Yeah. Oh, I hate those people. They always, you know, what they call the Barilla Spaghetti Number Five. I don't. Do I want to know? They just call it the Five. Do they really? <laughs> do they? Do they actually? Yeah. People, you always overhear people in the store. Oh, we're going with the Five, right? I have never heard of. <laughs> Anybody refer to any of the Barilla products by their number? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fancy Swedish people—they love the five because oh, it's classic, you know. That is one of the stupidest ways to be quasi fancy. <laughs> yeah, because it's Barilla. <laughs> yeah, it's Barilla, and it's just a Volkswagen of pasta. Oh man, you know. But it's that's you know this stuff cuts all the ways though. When something is from far away, it's. If something is just from a little bit far away, it's uh, the example that I always uh, feel like I'll never get over is how um, back in Sweden and uh, you take the train over to Denmark and you 
when you're visiting Copenhagen, you always eat uh, one of their red hot dogs that you buy on the street. What and makes it a red hot dog? It has a red skin. Okay. And it's called a pulse. Okay. And it's like this really iconic Danish, super working class <laughs> fucking street food. Okay. And then it comes with a piece of bread that is not fancy. Oh, it's not in a bun? It's not in a bun. It's a, it's a, it looks like a hot dog bun, but it hasn't been cut open. Okay. There's no slit. So you're eating them separate. I see. It's a red, bright red hot dog and an uncut hot dog bun. And then a squirt of ketchup and a squirt of remoulade sauce. Which is? Remoulade. Which is just like the most basic like mayo adjacent shitty condiment. But in America. Well, wait, wait. Mayo adjacent. So like what is it? Oh, it's some sort of emulsion. Of the same, of like egg of, white and oil or? Yeah, I would say that that's still the base. Okay. And then like some herbs in there. Some powdered herbs. Okay, a little, little bit of flavor. Yeah. And then in America, in a lot of fancy restaurants, I'm always seeing remoulade. Oh, but but it's being presented as yeah, like a it's gourmet like this product? fancy European thing. Oh, okay. But it's like no, 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 no. It's literally more working class of a condiment than ketchup. Interesting. It's like the, you know, the toothless stepbrother of ketchup. Okay, let's okay. drink this water. Let's drink some Jerry. Yeah. No, no. Yeri. Yeri. Oh. You hear that? <laughs> oh, you hear that? I hear it. That's the unhealthy fart of a, a morbidly mor- obese Yeri. man. <laughs> man, that reminds me of the movie Jerry. Have you seen the movie Jerry? No, which one's it's that? Like one of my favorite movies. It's some sort of Gus Van Sant movie where oh. they only, the whole script is they just use the word Jerry. It's two characters. They're both named Jerry and they replace all words with the word Jerry. Sounds like your kind of movie. <laughs> no, but they walk through the desert and they're climbing and they keep being like, you got a Jerry that thinks so we get up on the Jerry. And they make it, throughout the whole movie, they make it sound believable in the term, in sense of like, you believe that these people use the word Jerry like that? It's a really good movie. Jerry. Jerry. Okay. It smells like nothing. Is this finally going to taste like salt? Ooh, that tastes a little bit unfresh. Mine's unfresh in what sense? Like, it's not as spicy. Yeah, it's less spicy. It's way less spicy. And mine, the saltiness reminds me of like a bathroom. (laughs) Just like this very sterilized quality to it. Yeah, but it's got this sort of like bathroom tile kind of smell. How much of how much of that is the bottle though? Oh yeah, it's definitely got bathroom we, tile. Because the last palette. two bottles we drank from were both green, which we already established you love. I love this one. You know, you've got this bluish, whitish label yeah. on a clear glass bottle. It definitely yeah. feels more sterile. Yeah, it feels like something you you sit next to a toilet bowl. So, can I proclaim slash confess something to you? Yeah. There is no discernible difference between these three waters that we just drank. There, um, there is, there mm-hmm. are subtle differences, but yeah. in a blind taste test, it would be next to impossible to identify yeah. them. Yeah, the toilet feeling might be <laughs> the yeri. It's like a three out of ten. It's awful. Yeah, the it's. I mean, it depends on what you're in the mood for, right? Because like, you don't always want the spiciest of spicy waters. You know, I don't know what it is, but I've read on the internet about someone named Belle Delfino, 
or something like that on Pornhub selling something called Anime Girl Bathwater. Have you ever heard any of these words before? <laughs> Not in that order. <laughs> but I don't know what the gamer girl, what is it called? The bathwater? You're asking me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you have an internet you're, connection. You're the one telling the story here. <laughs> Gamer girl bathwater. I don't know what it is, but I imagine that it tastes like a yellow steiner. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, these were all okay. No, 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 no. This is a bad one, and the other two were good. The other two in a blind tasting, oh, you kidding me? I have no idea. They it's taste the same. But this one is literally way less carbonated. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you that. But, you know, flavor-wise and even even in terms of, like, the sodium content that you're desperately trying to identify, no difference. No no sodium flavor. No table salt flavor in any of these. Yep. No, I mean, Ivan, I'm I'm not arguing. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying this was a waste of time. (laughs) (laughs) No, but this thing... We're walking away from this with me saying I will never drink one of these again in my life. Okay, Evan, let me ask you some short questions. Let's do it. What's the best gift you've ever received? Oh. Pause. Let me Stop me if I've asked you any of these on the last episode because I, I don't remember. I don't think I've heard this one because this one's got me stumped. Let me, let me, let me take a Close second. Let me, let me take five minutes and then you can edit it down <laughs> to five seconds. How, how's that sound? Yeah. <laughs> This probably won't be the best one of all time, but it's the one that definitely stands out in recent memory. Yeah. Um, about maybe two years back for my birthday, yeah. my brother got me a Nintendo 64. Huh. Like, he just procured an old used one and, and got most of, like, the old games that I used to own and love. You know, your Super Mario 64, your Star mm. Fox, all those guys. You know which game from the Nintendo 64 era didn't age well? Do tell. Because some of them did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of them are still... Mario Kart. Like the the Mario Kart 64. Yeah. Uh, The Super Mario, whatever that one was called, maybe... Maybe it was just called Super Mario 64, kind of. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying that one didn't age well? No, I'm saying it was good. Oh, okay. Stayed good. Um, The Zelda is good. Zelda's great. That's a classic still. You know which one was so good back in the day and now it's awful? Goldeneye. Unplayable. It's awful. It's like... um, it's, I mean, the original way of playing it with that controller is really what doesn't work. I remember the optimal experience for playing most of those games was when you could download them on Wii because then you could use a GameCube controller, which right. was just way more comfortable and user-friendly right. than an N64 controller. And when my brother got me that N64 and I went back to play them you know, the organic way, it actually wasn't as satisfying because I had to use this stupid Nintendo 64 controller that, oh, really? that they just, you know, was very novel at the time, but just doesn't really hold up to anything that's come out since then. Is it kind of small? It's very small, very mm-hmm. uncomfortable. And yeah, the, the placement of the buttons just doesn't make sense 20 yeah. years later. Have you ever given someone a gift and then like been unhappy with how they treated their receiving or how they handled receiving it? Yeah, and, and I know I know I know ex- the exact occasion. I remember back in high school, um, yeah. we had I think like a, my friends and I just did like a little secret Santa, and I think there was even like a you know ten dollar limit because you know we were all mm-hmm. broke high schoolers. Yeah, and the, these friends had you know 
the same sense of humor that I did, in, yeah. including the person who was the the one that I got selected to get a present for, like a very close friend of mine. And I got her this really fun gag gift that was a a book that you probably, you know, got at like the bargain section of Barnes and Noble. And the whole book was like like hot men from the 80s and it just showed like the it was just like a photo booklet of like you know rob lowe and christian slater and all these mm. actors back when they were you know young strapping Heart lads throbs. heartthrobs yeah and yeah i think that was like the book it was like 80s heartthrobs and i got her this book thinking that like oh this is a fantastic little gift and she just did not get it she just you could just see on her face that she didn't get it yeah it, it was more like I, what i was expecting was just like for her to be very tickled by it because like it's totally the sort of thing that she and i would have laughed about yeah but instead it was more of like uh oh yeah this is so random yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. that sucked that did not feel good in those situations it almost feels like the giving of gifts is like a bigger emotional event for a person than the receiving of gifts Sometimes, for, especially for like a secret Santa gift exchange, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, last Christmas at Babar, you gave me your heart. Yeah, last Christmas at Babar, we uh, did a secret Santa, and it's like kind of a big staff. Like maybe no, was it like Secret Santa or White Elephant? Secret Santa. Okay, good. Everyone pulls a name because you and I did a White Elephant once a yes. couple years back. Yes, you got everyone Amazon Echo Dots. <laughs> <laughs> that fell off the back of a truck yeah. yeah but so for secret santa at at babar it's like 35 people everyone draws a name and the one person who got fired mid-december was the person who had drawn my name oh see that's the one person and it was a 50 dollar one too which is kind of a lot of money so so you were getting ready to get two echo dots and instead you got none <laughs> I, it was organized by Max Loring, who's been on the pod. Heard of him? Who makes the most money at Bavar. So he decided how much we we're going to spend, and he says it's a $50 minimum. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. He makes the most money. What, what, what is the, how does that, just by virtue of like his position or? No, I mean, the servers make the most money and he works the most. Okay. And and, 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 and and as it's been established by him and several others, you're not a good server, so you don't make as much. <laughs> I'm the world's most average server. I I don't like to work more than 32 hours a week. It's very European of it's you. It's my upper limit. <laughs> so um, You're not American un until 60 plus is yeah, the norm. Yeah, dude, when I hit 40, it's like, ugh. I think we're, we're getting some company at a nearby table soon. Do you oh, want yeah, to uh... wrap this up? <laughs> There's a full-on barbecue happening. Controversial. Is it? It's more than five people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't want to see five, but no, nah, it's like 10 plus. Yeah. All right, well, I... any more quick fires for me before we wrap up? Does getting older scare you, Ivan? No, I am thrilled about it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny to, <laughs> to have the rest of the answer be implied. Probably need to expand on it, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I just feel like there's an expectation to do a lot while you're young. And I've just been kind of predispositioned to do as little as possible, which becomes more acceptable as you get older. That's interesting. Is that right? Yeah, like I don't want to travel. 
but I've been that way since, conservatively speaking, 19 years old. My best friend Sebastian, this one time, for a bachelor party, we were like going to go to a beach in Malaysia, and Sebastian goes, I've already been to a beach. And he didn't want to go. Oh, see, that's a that's an interesting way to go about life. Mm. I've that, already been. That reminds me of, of my parents a lot, who are very much all about just not repeating certain experiences more huh. than once. Like, like I've already seen that movie. Yeah. It's like, but you saw it 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah but I already saw it. All right, tell me what it's about. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Sebastian is also the world's worst gift recipient, where... Um, he didn't like your uh, 80s heartthrob book? <laughs> <laughs> For this one time, me and my friend Luke got him a gift card for a steakhouse. See, when, see, with names like Luke and Sebastian, I don't know if the story is taking place in Sweden or America. No, Luke is a doctor in New Zealand. And Sebastian is my best friend who I grew up with in Sweden, who is from Sweden. But he was living in Shanghai, and me and Luke on the internet give him a steakhouse gift card. And, and this is like a nice steakhouse or like a middle-of-the-road yeah, chain? Yeah, yeah, it's nice, it's nice. $50. And then he never acknowledges it, never says thank you. And we log in a year later and he never used it and it expired. <laughs> oh, wow. And then Luke got him like some sort of, I can't even remember what the gift was, but he, it was mailed to his house. And in Sweden, gifts aren't, packages aren't actually mailed to your house ever. You only ever get a piece of paper that says, come pick this up at the post office. And then you only have two weeks to pick it up. And is he the, didn't. Is the post office generally pretty close by? Like, are the they... post office can be fairly far away. Depending and, on but, where you live. Since you ask, there was a revolution where we stopped having post offices. So we don't have post offices anymore. It's all just handled in the sort of front of supermarkets. So it's the, the cashier at the supermarket has her normal cashier set up. And then she can turn around and then it's a post office. And okay. she has like another counter with okay. like stamps on it. That and seems that's... like something out of the video game where like the innkeeper also yeah. works at the stables. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly like that. And uh, Sebastian just didn't pick the gift up. World, there's many, many. Oh, so he many... never even physically obtained it. It wasn't no. just that he had the card and never used it. He just no, no. These are different gifts. He always does it like this. Okay. He never. He's the world's worst gift recipient. Because he never even receives the gift. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're gonna wrap up the episode. They're really. Um, They're really flaunting social distancing over there. Is that what what you're saying, Ivan? Uh, they're <laughs> flaunting their hubris. <laughs> it's not a mask in sight over here. But um, me and Ivan are far away from each other. Beautiful day, though. Great day. I'm very okay. glad we did this. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we uh, cleared the air. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. That was our review of three brands of unflavored sparkling mineral water. Mountain Valley, Whole Foods Italian Sparkling, and Gerolsteiner Sprudel. If you want to support the podcast, please visit americandecline.org, where you can find links to our Patreon and to our store. 
we got some beautiful merchandise for sale right now. And that brings us to our closing segment. Sparkling water. Sparkling mind. First, I would like you to sit up a little bit more straight and close your eyes. Take note of the shimmering darkness behind your eyelids. Take note of any sounds. And then I would like you to commit to not moving for the next 45 seconds. Simply focus on your breath. Simply notice everything. And when the tension starts to build, when there's an itch, when there's a pain, simply take note of that also. And rest your mind wide open. And that's 45 seconds. And I encourage you to try this on your own. Perhaps start with a 10-minute meditation session where you commit to not moving. And in those sessions of physical stillness and mental agility, perhaps you will discover that the act of not moving can be the worst torture you have ever known. And that's good practice. <laughs>